This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. A few years ago, a number of years ago, there was a, a cooking show in Britain, and it was called Two Fat Ladies. And so I don't know if you ever saw the show, but it was a great show. It was a wonderful show, and it was two British women, and I'll show you a picture of them any minute now. Let there be. There you go. Okay, so two fat ladies. And so what they used to do is they used to travel around the, U, the United Kingdom and they used to go to different places and they would go into different environments. And then what they would do is they would cook in those spaces for them. But everywhere that they went, they went on their motorcycle and the sidecar. <coughs> so I want to speak to you today about something that has absolutely nothing to do with the two fat ladies. <laughs> It also has absolutely nothing to do with cooking at all, but it has everything to do with the motorcycle and the sidecar. So I want you to get that picture in your memory, and I want you to remember that, because we're going to go back to it. Everybody has favorite scriptures in their life and things that are important to them. And there's certain scriptures that are important to me. And if you hear for any period of time, you will hear them with frequency. And the reason that they're important to me is because I feel like so many of what, so many of the, the spiritual insights that I have from God kind of culminate in these scriptures. And so they become really pertinent to me. And the funny thing about them is, although I've had them for many years, what I've discovered is the more time I really spend with them and the more I begin to explore them, I realize how little I actually know about them. Have you ever had that to scripture where you start to get into stuff and you, you, you're so excited because then you think you've had full revelation of it. And then you read it about three weeks later and you realize that you actually barely scratched the surface and you see a whole new layer to it. And it's like, oh, I didn't even see that before. So one of those scriptures is Galatians 2.20 and I want to read it out of the NIV. And it says, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. So I want to give you this and I want to put it in the context of the motorcycle and the sidecar. When God created you, he gave you a body. Your body is your motorcycle and your sidecar. That's the body. That's this thing here. Touchy feely. This is your, this is, this is the, this is the motorcycle and the sidecar. And what he says is I've been crucified with Christ. When God created you, he gave you a body, but he breathed life into you by giving you spirit. Spirit is you on the motorcycle. When you got born again, what ended up happening is you became a brand new creation in Christ. Anytime we talk about the heart, what we're talking about is the person who drives the motorcycle. God doesn't talk to the motorcycle. God's not going to talk to your body. God speaks to your heart. Heart is another way of talking about who you are. It's the person who's driving the motorcycle. When you get born again, you have the God's life that comes inside of you. So what ends up happening is you become a child of God. What's most important about that is for you to understand this. The minute that you become born of God, you have access to relationship with God. Are you with me this morning? Yes. This is the easy part. I even gave you a visual. You should be like, okay, get to something substantial. 
So you are born of God. You have access to God. You have the opportunity to have relationship with God. The important thing is, the minute that you got born again, you can relate to God. Each one of us, the moment that we were born, we were put into our, on our motorcycles and off we went. The problem with it was, is that we had a sidecar, but no passenger. It was a big void. There was nothing there. Why? Because you weren't born again. The, the, the sidecar was reserved for God. And so until we get born again, what happens is the life of God doesn't come and start to inhabit the sidecar. The moment you get born again, you become born of God and God moves into the sidecar. Now, there's something really important to, to know about this. I'm telling you some things that I've thought about this week because I'll tell you some, I'll get to it in a minute. But these are some things that were so helpful for me because they're simple and they're practical. And yet there's so much power in the simplicity of it. <laughs> Somebody's got to be <laughs> Throw something at me or something. Are you sure? Okay. I just got to make sure you're with me. You, even if you don't understand, say, don't talk rubbish. Say it again. <laughs> what is I telling you? It's so simple but powerful. This is what confused me for a long time. I used to think that I had the life of God on the inside of me. And as a result of that, I needed to do things for God. He never said that. God moved into the sidecar. Understand this, as you journey through life, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'll get to that in a minute. What's important about that is this, understand this, you are journeying through life in your motorcycle, you are driving, God is not gonna take the reins. He's not gonna grab the steering wheel. He's given you a free will. He says, you can do what you like, but as sitting in the sidecar, I'm gonna make some input if you would like but he never grabs the steering wheel because you have the right and the prerogative as a person with a free will to do what you want to do. But what's important is this, understand that there are two of you driving there. This is so important because the thing is, I thought I had to do so many things for God and I thought I was going to do all of the stuff for God. And what he showed me was, I don't need for you to do my stuff. I want you to recognize the fact that I'm sitting in the sidecar and if you're just obedient to me, I will do stuff through you. There's a big difference. Part of the reason so many Christians are frustrated is because we're trying so hard to do stuff for God. And he's saying, I'm sitting here in the sidecar. I don't want you to do my job because you're not God. You can't do what I can do. But if you just listen to me and you're obedient to me, you open the door for me to do something. So it's really important. Number one principle, you are not God. And I'll tell you what's so wonderful about that because he carries on and says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is the gist of that. It doesn't saying you don't, it's not saying you don't exist. It's not like, oh, it's not me. It's only God. You do exist. God loves you. You exist. You're the driver. What he's saying is the source of my life is no longer me. The source of my life all of a sudden becomes God in the sidecar. And so everything that I do, I always defer to him and I sit and say, give me your insight on this. Give me your revelation on this. Give me your ideas on this. Why? Because he becomes the source of my life. He gives me direction. He gives me input. He tells me what it is that he wants to do. And as a result of that, it's no longer I who takes the lead role, it's him. I'm, I'm driving, but he's navigating. It's no longer I who live, but him. And the life that I now live in my body, 
The life that I now live in my body, I'm sitting on the motorcycle. The life that I now live in the body, I live by the faith, the son of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes when I sit on my, bicy- on my bicycle, on my motorcycle, and I'm paying full attention to the passenger in the sidecar. Because everything that he tells me is faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. I'm living from relationship. In the space, all of a sudden, everything changes because I begin to recognize the fact that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. All of a sudden, I begin to recognize that there are possibilities and opportunities available, not because I'm so great, not because I'm so spiritual, not because I've memorized half of the Bible, but because I have him living with me. The living word is right next to me. Understand this. God is with you. And so I was thinking about that. And what it did was it introduced me to something that I decided I wanted to do. And so when I started to think more and more about the fact that I have the presence with me, that I have God with me, that I have the greater one with me, that I have him sitting in my sidecar, I decided to pay more attention to him. I thought that was a good idea. (laughs) I know it sounds silly. I know it sounds silly. But actually, when I thought about it, you have to be intentional about it. Because it's very easy to get so caught up with the road and the environment and the scenery and, the pa- and everybody else going along and the, the passers-by and the traffic and everything else that you ignore the sidecar. And you actually have to be intentional to sit and say, hold on a minute, I want to cultivate a new habit. I want to cultivate a new habit. First Thessalonians 5, First um, Thessalonians 17 verse 5, I think it is, isn't it? I think it is. Yes, 5.17. Ah! Just wanted to make sure you're paying attention. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And I was thinking about that. And I thought, Lord, how on earth do I pray without ceasing? I mean, it's a long day. And actually, I don't really have time to pray without ceasing because, Lord, I've got a family and I've got a wife and I've got to go to the church and I've got to take care of it. I can't pray without ceasing. And I began to realize the fact that actually I completely missed what he was trying to say. You see, when he talks about praying without ceasing, my default was to sit and think, I've got to go back into my little prayer chamber and I have to spend an extra 10 minutes with God in the morning when I'm praying. It's not quite without ceasing, Lord, but it's a little bit longer than what it was. So I must get some kind of credit for that, surely. And I began to realize that isn't what he was saying at all. You see, the problem with it is when we have that disposition, what ends up happening is we relegate God to a small little portion of my day. And it's like, okay, this is my prayer time in the morning. Amen. And off I go. And then maybe right before I go to sleep, I might say a few words to God just before I fall asleep. But then we we kind of top and tail the day with God. And what he was saying is, I don't want to be relegated to a certain spot. I don't want to be relegated and limited to a certain time. I want to invade your day. Will you dedicate your day to me? 
Praying without ceasing is not about seeing God in a specific moment, but it's about recognizing the fact that as I journey through the day, my motorcycle and my sidecar are moving and I'm going and I'm encountering people and I'm encountering situations and circumstances, but he's with me all the time. Praying without ceasing is becoming overtly aware of the fact that he's with me in my sidecar. Praying without ceasing is moving to that place where I'm very intentionally creating a new habit of paying attention to him in everything. And funny things started to happen in my life. And so I, I was, I'm busy and I'm getting ready for the morning and the kids are doing this and they're getting that and they're running out and they're going to, because they're going to do work in the morning and Vivian's going to go and do this and Sarah's going off because she's got to get back to the gym and, and I'm thinking about my day and I'm, and I'm moving all over the place and I'm running out and I'm on my way to the car and out of the blue, just got a thought, don't forget your phone. What? I didn't even think about it. Completely out of the blue, don't forget your phone. And I realized the sidecar spoke. The sidecar spoke. I wasn't thinking about it. My head was in the day and what I got to do and all the commitments I have and what. uh, Don't forget your cell phone. I went back in and did it. Why? Pray without ceasing. Because I'm living in that space all the time where I'm trying to cultivate a better habit of living at the sensitivity to the sidecar. He's here with me all the time. And so I get into the office and Heather's running around and she's doing stuff and Kathy's shouting at me from the office next door and Rafa's running in looking for hugs and Grace is sitting saying, you know, I've got to speak to you about the finances and JR's fixing the building. All kinds of stuff is happening all over the place. And all of a sudden I get this thing, just send this text to this person and say this. And I realized the sidecar spoke. I was so busy with all the stuff that needed to be attended to. But in all of that, because there was an intentionality on my part to be, to pay more attention to the side card, it was speaking to me. Now you might look at those things and you sit and say, okay, that's all great, but you didn't exactly write it, raise Lazarus from the dead, did you? (laughs) And although that's true, You totally missed the point. Because the point is not about the magnitude. The point is about the connection. You see, if you can connect with him in the little things, it opens the door to connecting with him in the big things. Why? It doesn't matter how small it is. I heard his voice. And when you hear his voice, you begin to recognize the fact that I'm journeying through life and I'm paying more attention to the sidecar. There's something amazing that I discovered about the sidecar. God is always speaking. God always has something to say. The problem with it is, All too often, I'm so busy with everything else that I don't stop for a moment and give him the opportunity to speak. And so I run off and I do my stuff and I get to the end of the day and then I ask God to bless it. 
But I'm realizing that the opportunity in living life by praying without ceasing is all about a lifestyle of allowing him to have input before I get into something. What's your plan here, God? What do you think about it? And the funny thing is, there are sometimes where I was in a situation and there was a whole bunch of stuff going on on the rest, and I was like, I was going to give them my my opinion because I thought it was so important. <laughs> and God is like, oh, just shut up. <laughs> I don't ask you to say that. Keep your mouth closed. I could have done it, but when I lean to my own understanding, then the wrong thing happens. And the problem with it is, it's big, never say anything like that. Men, listen, this is men, if you hear one thing, listen to me. The Lord will help you. <laughs> if you are married and you have a wife, they have a mind like an elephant. Don't say the wrong thing because it will come back to haunt you. When you're celebrating your 50-year anniversary, it'll be like, but I remember when he said 50 years ago. I'm just joking. But the point is, it's just... <laughs> What's most important is this. He's just, he's speaking. He's speaking. And if we could just hear his voice and be obedient, what we'd find is our life would be so much easier. So much easier. Sometimes we sit and think, you know what, I'm not really qualified to hear his voice. Well, I've got some good news for you. The only qualification to hearing his voice is to be a sheep. John chapter 10, verse 4, speaks about, My sheep follow me, for they know my voice. It speaks to me about a couple of things. Let me explain to you a little bit more about this, vo this verse, which is quite interesting. I didn't realize this. But back in the day, when shepherds used to bring their sheep in at night because they wanted to protect them, what they would do is they would open the, um, the gate and let the sheep into this area that was protected. But it wasn't just for like one shepherd's sheep. You would have a number of shepherds who would bring their flocks in at night into that space. But the sheep knew their shepherd's voice. Because in the morning, when the shepherd would call his sheep, they would know who it was. And the, the sheep would go with that shepherd. They'd learnt the voice. So when he's talking about here, my sheep follow me because they hear my voice. What he's saying is, my sheep have spent time with me. And because they've spent time with me, they know my voice. And so although there might be a multitude of other voices out there, they are discerning enough to be able to sit and say, that's not his voice. So it comes from meeting in that place where we spend time with him and we begin to recognize him and we begin to understand who he is. The thing about it is this. When he speaks about it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Where's the body part? I just Put that one up again because I want to just speak about that. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the, and the life that I now live in the body. And the life that I now live in the body. 
the, the new King James says, and the, the life that I live in the flesh, but I like the life that I live in the body. Listen to the words there. It's really important because he says, the life that I now live in the body. In other words, what God is saying is this, who you are and what you're all about is spirit in the body. You determine what the body does, but your spirit. It becomes really important because the thing is, there's so much of scripture that talks about walking by the spirit, walking by the spirit. When we talk about walking by the spirit, what we're doing is we, we are honing in on who I am fundamentally. I'm a spirit being in the body. And so God is sitting saying that part of you, spirit, is what's consequential. That spirit is what relates to the sidecar. God's not speaking. He's not speaking to the motorcycle. He's speaking to you as the driver. So when we talk about walking by the spirit, what we're saying is me in the body relating to the spirit of God with me. The two of us, spirit to spirit. Walking by the Spirit is being in that place where we're able to relate and have a union and relationship with God. The thing about it is this. Walking by the Spirit is not about technique. I always thought it was. I know you didn't because you're so much smarter than me. But it was probably bad teaching that I had as well. Well Well-intentioned, but it really wasn't very good. Because the problem with it was what it began to taught me was teach me. I can't even speak English. What it began to teach me was that what what was consequential was that I become a more spiritual person. And the more spiritual that you become, the better you will be. And the better you will be, the more God will work through you. But the problem with it is it becomes a works program. And so what he's saying is, in that place, what's most consequential is he's sitting saying that walking by the Spirit... It's not about technique. It's about relationship. It's about my ability as the driver to be able to relate to the passenger. In that union, being able to have communication, relating, relationship. Christianity is not about facts. It's not about doctrine. It's not about information. Just take a deep breath. Please let me just clarify this. It's not about Logos. It's about the living word. If the Logos doesn't lead you to the living word, it's never fulfilled its function. When you have the living word sitting next to you, the fact of the matter is the living word is never going to be at odds with the written word. You don't have to worry about the fact that it's like, oh, well, will I be led astray? That's not what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus was the word made flesh. Everything he did was life-giving to what the Logos was all about. It's not at odds with the Logos. But ultimately, that's where it leads us. Everything that's going to happen in your Christian life is going to be as a result of how I am able to relate to the sidecar. Everything. Everything happens in that space. It's not because I know a whole bunch of information. Knowledge doesn't get me anything. If I was to sit there and Rafa was sitting next to me in the sidecar and somebody gave me some notes about Rafa and they said, you know what? Rafa is a great guy and he's a lover and he's a hugger. I'd like, okay, I got it. 
And Rafa um, is a person who has Guatemalan roots, and his grandmother still lives in Guatemala. And he lives with his wife, Jackie, in Manassas, and he works at Living Faith. I've got a whole bunch of information about Rafa, but I've never spoken to him. I've never spoken to him. I'm never ever taking away from the Logos. You, the more we have uh, of the written word and the more we get into it, the more opportunity we open up for the Holy Spirit to do something in that. But the problem with it is this. As long as we only have the Logos without the living word, we're in trouble. Because the Logos deals with my brain, but the living word touches my heart. The living word deals with the person driving motorcycle. That's why it's so consequential. There's nobody who hates religion more than God. God hates religion so much. You know what? You know why? Because it's the ultimate deception. It makes people think that they're living in relationship with God, but they're really not. They have a whole bunch of knowledge and information, but they have no relationship. I don't know him. And even if he's yelling at me from the sidecar, I didn't recognize his voice. All of relationship, all of Christianity is about relating, relating to the spirit of God that's in my life and journeying through life with the sensitivity to that, him making input to it. The problem with it is religion is a horrible substitute for relationship because there's no life there. There's no life. If we want To hear God's voice. The suggestion I would make is this. Be intentional about becoming more acquainted with him. He's sitting in the sidecar. He's right there. He's waiting for us. We talk about it as intimacy. But really what it is, it's becoming overtly aware of the fact that the life of God is within me. And everywhere I go, he goes with me. And all he's doing is he's sitting waiting for me to develop a sensitivity to the fact that he has some thoughts and some opinions about all the things I'm doing every day. And he's like, would you like to know what I think? When was the last time you asked him? So I was beach people again. <laughs> when was the last time you asked him? When was the last time you were in a situation where you said, Holy Spirit, Speak to me about what's going on right now. Open the eyes of my understanding and show me what it is that you want me to do in this space. But that's what our Christianity should be. Because he's alive. He's living. The thing about it is, people sit and say, well, how will I know if it's God? You'll know if it's God because you exercise something called discernment. Discernment. So when I learn to hear his voice, when I'm intentional about spending time in his presence, I'm developing something called relationship. In those spaces, I'm beginning to recognize who he is, and I'm allowing him to have input into me, and I'm having input into him, and we're conversing, this dialogue, this interaction. And what ends up happening is it develops something called a sense of knowing when you know somebody, you have discernment about those things. I know Sarah. So if you told me that Sarah had 
taken my kids to the library to listen to a reading by a drag queen show, I would sit and say, not possible. <laughs> Why? Because I know my wife. I know that would never happen. Why? Because I know her. I know her. The more time we spend with him, the more we get to know him, the more we become aware of who he is, the more he floods us and, and informs us of who he is and what he's all about. And in that space, we can walk into different environments and we'll see things and hear promptings, and, but we'll be able to exercise discernment because we know who he is. And that's not who, that's not the God I serve. That's not what he's about. He didn't put that sickness and disease on you. I can tell you that's wrong. Why? Because I know him. It's about knowing him, developing a sense of knowing. Amen. If we really want to hear his voice, I discovered something about it. I used to sit and think that what is important is I needed to set myself up to hear God. And so the thing is, in order to hear God, I had to be more spiritual. And so I, I got into a whole bunch of stuff to try and be more spiritual because the more spiritual I would be, the more I would be able to hear God. And so I, I, I went down that road and the thing is, it, it doesn't lead anywhere good. <laughs> and then you read and I think it's Psalm 45, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Do you know how hard that is for our society? And it's even more difficult for people who live in Northern Virginia. It's probably easier if you live in South Carolina. It's not easy for us. Because we live in an environment that is a whirlwind with regularity and we get caught up in that. If it's not traffic, it's work or children or sports or academics or practices or series of tournaments with Vivian. It's, a, it's something all the time. And usually it's not something. Normally it's a whole bunch of different things and we're juggling all of that stuff at the same time. And we're so into that and we're so busy doing that and we're so busy making life happen. The challenge with it is it's really hard in that space to be still. It's hard. And because it's hard, what ends up happening is we top and tail God. So I can see him in the morning because I can be intentional about giving a bit of time for prayer. And then I'll see him in the evening because I can be intentional about giving him a little bit of time for prayer. But the problem with it is I don't hear him during the day because I'm too frenetic. And so in that space, it really requires us to develop the habit of praying without ceasing. And the way that we do that is by stilling ourselves. With my mind racing and running with a thousand different things, with my emotions going, with all of the stuff that's happening on the inside, it's really hard to hear God because it muddies the waters all the time. But in the stillness, when I'm able to quiet who I am and all the stuff that's happening is where I'll hear him. And when I hear him, the value to that is once you hear, you immediately start to develop discernment. 
I heard it once. It's easier to recognize the second time. And even easier the third. Why? Because I'm starting to develop a habit of intentionally looking for his voice. God is always speaking. He's sitting in the sidecar. But all too often, we're so caught up with our circumstances and our situations and the pressures and my thoughts and my ideas and the solutions I've come up with and everybody else's opinion that we don't often take the time to sit and say, hold on a minute. I, I, I need to consult with the sidecar. What I want to leave you with, I, I was going to get into something else today, but I, I, I need to do it properly. So next time I speak, I'm going to tell you about a huge, huge mistake I made. <laughs> because the wonderful thing about mistakes is that sometimes you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. And so it was, it was interesting because while I was cultivating this and while I'm, and I still am, I mean, I don't put myself up as any professional. But the point is, while I was busy doing this, so God invited me to do something. And I'll tell you the story in a, in a few weeks, the next time I speak. But it just, failure with God is such a great thing. <laughs> It is, because you know what? He's never judgmental and harsh. But the funny thing about it is you have to have some failures because if you don't have some failures, you don't see some of the points and some of the potholes and some of the hurdles. And sometimes it's in the failures that God actually sits and says, you know what, I'll tell you why we couldn't do that. Because you know what, this was a little bit of an issue. And so when you learn from those things, what ends up happening is you begin to fix the potholes and you remove the hurdles. And so now you're in a much better place because now you've kind of prepped a runway so you can do some stuff. So, but we'll speak about that. I can't talk about it now because I've got 12 minutes. And if I run late, um, Sally's going to shout at me. <laughs> I want to leave you with this. God loves you so very much. Not because he loves you because he loves you sake. He loves you because that's who he is. And he gives him so much joy when he gets to take of who he is and impart that to your life. Everything that he gives to you is good and perfect. And the best thing about it is he's taken up residence in your sidecar. As you go through life this week, understand this. There's no separation between the motorcycle and the sidecar. Everywhere you go, he goes with you. Everything you go into, he's there with you. Every time you have challenges, he's there with you. All he's sitting saying is, are you interested in what I have to say? Would you like my influence in that space? Because he can do some things that we can't do. That's one of the coolest things about being God. The reason I'm not God is because I would like to use those lightning bolts a few times. <laughs> That's because I'm not completely loved just yet, but it's okay. I feel better just saying it. It's a... But he wants you to, to, every time you touch him, 
something's going to shift in your life. And it's not because it's judgment, and it's not because it's harsh, and it's not because it's criticism, but it's because it's going to be an expression of his love. And every time he touches you, that expression of love takes on a form. It comes out as, you know what? I just, there's something on the inside of me. I just feel it. There, there is a joy that comes up. There is a peace. There is a healing. There is, he'll do things. And all of those things are expressions of who he is. We call it his glory, but really what it is, is it's just his love reaching out and touching you. He's, so this is your homework because I'm not journeying alone. All of you have a sidecar. And what I want for you to do this week is I want you to be intentional about praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing. You have times which are dedicated and committed to set it where they set apart with the two of you. But learn how to cultivate a, a, a habit of engaging him through life. If you're talking rubbish and telling a joke, it doesn't matter. But if it's something consequential coming out of your mouth, learn how to stop before you open your mouth and say, Lord, what do I say? Before you do something consequential, before you sign that contract, before you take on that mortgage, before you go and find out what he has to say. You can save yourself a lot of heartache. And a whole bunch of blessing could come your way if you would just give him the opportunity to have influence. He's with you. He's in the sidecar. So this week, we're going to be intentional about developing the habit of praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing. I will tell you this, you better get ready for it. Because when you talk about praying without ceasing, God's not going to limit you to the handlebars. And you're going to find yourself in some places where he's going to sit and say, you know what? I want to use your body to touch that person. There's an invitation to step off of the bike and do something for him. I'll leave you with this. This is what I'll speak about next time I speak. The reason it's important is this. When you are obedient to him, you'll experience the anointing because the anointing rides on obedience. The anointing rides on obedience. Can you all stand? I thank you, Father, for every single blessing that's here today and every blessing that's watching by camera. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence with us. I pray, Father, like the thorn in Paul's side niggle us this whole week so that we become overtly aware that you are with us. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to people through this week. And as they're intentional about setting aside time to hear your voice and cultivate that habit, I want to thank you that you build 
and develop that relationship. I thank you for the intimacy that you develop with every person here. I thank you for flooding our lives with who you are. Inviting us into realms beyond what we're all about so we can engage relationship with you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the making of a new generation. A people who live by the presence. A people who recognize the presence. A people who live in the expectation of manifesting the presence. A people whose lives are completely overwhelmed and absorbed in your presence. If you're a person out there and you don't know if God's sitting in your sidecar, if you're a person and you, you've never really had an introduction to God, I want to invite you at the end of the service to come up here. I'd like to pray for you. It's the start of everything. Until that happens, your sidecar's empty. But it's when you meet him that he steps in and everything will change in your life. If you need prayer as well, please feel free to come up at the end of the service. There are people who will pray with you. God's going to do some good things in your situations. He wants you to recognize him as a result of his influence. Have a fabulous week.